Well, good morning. I am uh, delighted uh, to be asked to uh, preach today. I'm appreciative of this uh, uh, church family and fellowship for uh, receiving us and taking us in uh, here. And uh, we thought we were going to be looking around for a long period of time, but all it took was one visit to Blackman Baptist Church, and that did it. And uh, so we are thankful to the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm especially uh, appreciative of of Kevin, who has been a great uh, encouragement, a great uh, strength and support uh, to uh, us. And uh, I just want to uh, thank the Lord for his fellowship and friendship with me already. And I have to acknowledge this morning, I am as giddy with praise for my first grandchild. I'm reminded of a passage that I had read many, many times in Proverbs uh, 17, 6. It's one of my favorites. It says this, that grandchildren are the crown of old men. Grandchildren are the crown of old, old men. So that's what I am. I'm an old man today, but extremely grateful for it. And it also goes on to say, And the glory of children are their fathers. The glory of their children are their fathers. So just uh, hallelujah. Uh, Thank the Lord Jesus for his saving grace uh, to us all. I want you to please turn in your Bibles this morning, if you will, uh, to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 13. And I'm going to ask you if you will please stand together as I read verses 1 through 9. Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood... Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all these men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard. And he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too until I dig around it and put in 
fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. The message title that I'm using today is um, based on this 13th chapter of Luke in the 8th verse, where it says, And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. The message is entitled, One More Year. One More Year. Now, we have had a tendency at uh, times uh, to want to uh, diminish uh, the doctrine of hell. I get no joy and and satisfaction of preaching on the doctrine of hell, but I have to uh, remind myself that the Lord Jesus had more to say about this subject than anybody else in all Scripture. And so we have to be faithful to what our Lord has revealed to us. And that's what I want us to look at uh, today and, and put it in its, uh, its context. Now notice, if you look back up, you know, really the, uh, the issue here is this fig tree having no fruit on it. That's the issue. And a number of years ago, I I bought into this one-sided perception about the the Christian life, and that is that God just wanted us to be faithful. And that's true, but that's not all Scripture says. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful, according to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2, but I also realize that the Bible not only calls us as Christians and as His churches to be faithful, but to be fruitful, to be fruitful. In fact, the Lord Jesus Himself reinforces the reality of this in in John chapter 15 and and verse number 8 when He says this to His followers, He said, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Now, what he is saying is, it's an evidence and an indication that somebody is a genuine follower of the Lord Jesus Christ if there's fruit in their life. Now, we know that the degree of fruit is going to vacillate, but Jesus talked about there would be those who would have fruit, there would be others who would have more fruit, And then there would be even those who would bear much fruit. And so fruit is a, really a, it is a sign of the fact that we have been born of the Spirit. That we have been truly converted. And so we see this here in the passage that is before us. And so I want us to think not only about faithfulness as a, Christian, but I want us to think about fruitfulness as a Christian as well. And so what I really want to do is hone in on or zero in on on three words that hopefully will help you uh, 
remember this, hopefully help you to take some semblance of notes. And the first word is what I would call observation. Observation. Now notice what it says beginning in verse number 1. Now on the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So this is obviously word of mouth that comes to the Lord Jesus. And they say to him about this, um, this experience and this situation that has occurred here in uh, verse number 1. It talks about these Galileans, and they were Jews, but Galilean Jews. And it says Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Now we don't know the details of this because we cannot find this documented and substantiated in history. We, we just cannot find it. But nonetheless, we see this used as Christ as one uh, way to communicate the, the truth of eternal judgment. And notice what it goes on to say, and, and Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? He says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perishing. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed him were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? Now, I think Jesus detects some rotten eggs in this passage. And here's what I mean by that. These Jews that have come to Jesus almost were, they had... Uh, a smile or a smirk on their face because these people that had died in this encounter where Pilate had them slaughtered and animal sacrifices and human sacrifices were all mingled together on that occasion and I think they were I think they were glad I think they were joy filled and, and Jesus picks up on this, not only in that particular instance, but also about the story of uh, the Tower of Siloam that had fallen on those 18 men. And Jesus is going to use this to drive home a very, very important uh, point. And it has to do with these two events the events with Pilate and then the event with the Tower. It Self. Keep in mind what Jesus is, is saying here that accidents are not accidental. Accidents are not accidental, according to what the Lord Jesus says to us in this passage of, of Scripture. He is alluding to the fact that God uses these things as is caution lights. Now, we're not talking about something insignificant here. We're not talking about something minor. We're talking about all these Galilean Jews that were killed at the altar of uh, the temple as they were in the process of going for worship on that day. And then these 18 men who had died in this accident, so-called... Like I say, these are caution lights. We are not dealing with something, like I say, that is temporal, but something that has eternal impact with it. 
And so you see these events that Jesus uses and picks up. It's, it's like he does not give them the opportunity to rejoice at what has happened. It's like Jesus is, is going to show them immediately the perspective they should have not for Galilean Jews and 18 men who lost their lives on a construction site, but he says you need to look at yourselves. You need to look at yourselves. I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. But there's something else too here, not just the events that we see that are proposed to us. But secondly, what I would call, there, there was some extremely erroneous thinking in uh, the Jewish nation. And it goes all the way back really to chapter 11 in verse 14 of this gospel where there is put before them how they are reacting to Jesus and his teaching. And I want you to see what Jesus says about this. Now remember, this is a long-running, this is a long-running commentary that Christ is giving to us as he deals with the Jewish people. And it basically goes all the way back to chapter 9 and then goes all the way into chapter 19. And this is what we see here uh, in uh, this uh, part that is given to us in this uh, 13th chapter. But I want you to see how Luke connects to it in the end of chapter 12. Look what uh, is stated here in the 54th verse. He was also saying to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say it will be a hot day, and it turns out that way. You hypocrites... You know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? And so here's what Jesus says. You're, you're, missing, you're missing the big picture here. Your assessment is, is off a million miles and why, why is that? Because they are thinking in physical terms, not in spiritual terms. He said, how in the world can you think about the weather? How can you be so cognizant? How can you be so in tune with what's going on the weather on a bad weather day or a good, good weather day, and, and yet you cannot discern the signs of the times? Jesus said, this is something that you should be very, very concerned about. And so we, we see this here in this opening point. Like I say, Jesus saw where they were and where they were going. And so this is what I want you to see here as we, we move on through the chapter and move on through this passage uh, for us today. Look, look, if you will, at the second thing here. Not only observation that Jesus gave, and he said, look, look, multitudes of people, repent, or you're going to perish. But there's something else that I want you to see. I want you to see that there is some opportunities that are 
presented here in this uh, text as well, and I want you to see those uh, with me. Now, notice what it says in verse number 6, And he began telling this parable, A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. Now, he's addressing Israel. And what Jesus is referring to is the passage in Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7. They were to be a fruitful vine, a fruitful vineyard. And they failed to do that. They failed to do it miserably as we go back and look at that chapter and section of Scripture. But something else that is, that is um, here for us, you know, Jesus told the Jewish nation that he was going to set them aside in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 43 for a time so that he could give himself to a people that would bring forth fruit. It would be apparent and evident in their life about what was happening and going on there. And so you're going to see opportunities neglected here in this text of, text of Scripture. Now notice what it goes on to, to say again in this sixth verse. He said, A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. So again, the issue is not are we faithful. The issue is are we fruitful. We can be faithful in our Bible study, but what fruit is coming out of our Bible study? We can be faithful in the place of prayer, but what kind of fruit is coming out of that prayer life? We can be faithful in in service in the church, but what kind of fruit is coming Out of that, Jesus is looking for fruit. Remember, the only thing that the Lord Jesus ever cursed were trees without fruit. That's the only thing He ever cursed all through His Word. And so this is something that we need to be uh, privy and savvy to as as, as we look more deeply into what this uh, parable is is saying. But then I want you to see see this. Look at verse 7. Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Then he says this, cut it down. That's, that's, that's harsh, that's severe. You know, how can there be so little grace here, so little mercy How can that be? And then this question is asked at the end of verse 7, why does it even use up the ground? Now, I don't know about about you. I've been a Christian since 1973. I was called in the ministry in 1975, and I'll make a long story uh, short um, here. Sometimes in my Christian journey and pilgrimage, and even since I've been in the ministry and the pastorate over these numbers of years, I feel like sometimes I'm just uh, taking up space and wasting time. Because um, I've not understood what the Bible says about the uh, importance of priority 
Do you remember in the story of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, remember Martha was serving in the kitchen and Mary was sitting in the, at the feet of Jesus. And you remember what Jesus, he didn't condemn Martha, but he did commend Mary because she has chosen that good part. You know, she was not just taking up space. She was not wasting time. She was hearing his word which is the priority of every follower of Jesus Christ that, uh, and every church is to hear what the Spirit is saying unto the church. And so when I look at that question, he says, why does it even use up the ground? Now, I come from a background of, of Southern Baptist. I was converted in a Southern Baptist church, called to preach in a Southern Baptist church, went to Southern Baptist Bible College, went to a Southern Baptist Seminary. But it's like Adrian Rogers says. He says, we've got 14 million Southern Baptists that make up our denomination. He said, the FBI couldn't find most of them. <laughs> we have to ask ourselves this question. I mean, what are, we, what are we doing? What are we doing as far as real, you know, it's one thing to have a lot of activity. But it's another thing to really have ministry that's ongoing. That's the challenge that is before us constantly as the people and, and saints of God. And so three years, he said, why isn't there any? Well, look at what happens here. And he had made the statement, a potent statement, cut it down. I'm reminded of, of, of this, and I hope this kind of will resonate with you if you don't hear anything else that's said this morning. I've, in the last several years, I've, I'm in this habit of reading the parables in the Bible. They're not as familiar as some of the other parables. I mean, we're familiar with the prodigal son. We're familiar with the Good Samaritan. We are familiar with those stories. But there's a lot of powerful parables that sometimes maybe we don't know anything about. We little about them maybe even. Remember that Jesus gives us one in Luke 16 where he calls it the parable of the unjust steward. Of the unjust steward. And I've learned that from this parable that we need to make the most of the, the opportunity and I've come to believe that the Bible teaches this. We're not only accountable for what we do, but we're accountable for what we could have done that we didn't do. That we've, gone, we've not gone to the next level. We've not gone to the second mile as Jesus teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. And so as we see this that is before us, we, we have to, you know, we have to come uh, to terms you know, I look at as he's addressed Israel here. He's addressed Israel all through this section of Scripture from chapter 9 all the way through chapter 19. And, and remember what the Apostle Paul says about the, the privileges that the, that 
the nation of Israel says in chapter 9, verses 4 and 5, he says, Who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoptionist sons, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the temple service, and the promises? Whose are the fathers, and for whom is the Christ according to the flesh, who is over all? God blessed forever. Amen. What he is saying is eight privileges that was given to the Jewish, Jewish nation, and yet they did not follow through. In, the, in this gospel, the gospel of Luke, there are 38 portions of Scripture where Jesus is dealing with the religious leaders of Israel. And listen to me. In 22 of those 38 meetings, Jesus was overtly rejected by his own nation, by his own people. He came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. And so we, we have here the opportunities that are presented to us. The opportunities, remember, you know, and, and Brother Kevin alluded to this out of Psalm 90 last week, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Paul says, redeem the time because the days are evil. And so when we see this, we are brought to remembrance the, the importance of, of not backing up, but moving forward constantly in our discipleship and our our growth as not only Christians, but as the body of Christ collectively. But there's, there's something else here I want you to see. There was, you know, some opportunities that were neglected. But I want you to look here as we sum up. I want you to get this again in verse 8. He answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put it in fertilizer. Now, what's that? That's grace. <laughs> That's the second chance. I said, I know this tree has been here for three years and it's not borne any fruit, but I'm going to tell you what. I'm going to move and I'm going to operate and I'm going to work in the circumstances of this nation and the door is going to be open again. If you'll do what I've commanded you in your word, my word, which is to repent. Repent, as the Scripture tells us. And so, and so I sum it up here with verse 9. After one more year. Now let me ask you this question. If you only had one more year as a Christian, what would you do with it? What would we do here at Blackman if we only had one more year? Maybe it's not even a year. What will we do with the day that the Lord has given to us or a month or whatever it may be? What would we, what would we do with that? One more year. One more year. So he gives that opportunity for them to turn it around. And for those who have had gospel privileges, maybe you've been brought up in a Christian home, you've been brought up in the church, you know all the lingo, you know all the terms, you know everything 
about the vocabulary as far as music and scripture, and yet you have never come to a place of real repentance toward the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to both admonish and encourage you to come to Christ today. Now look at what it says in closing. Back up to um, Luke 12, which is connected, obviously, to this 13th chapter. It says, Why do you not even on your own initiative judge what is right? For while you were going with your opponent to appear before the magistrate on your way, there make an effort to settle with him so that he may not drag you before the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I say to you, you will not get out of there until you have paid the very last cent. Now, verse 59 is referring to eternal punishment. It's referring to the judgment of God. But what is Jesus admonishing them to do? Settle out of court. Settle out of court. Don't wait till the day of judgment to make things right with the creator and judge of all the dirt, of all the earth. Do what the Bible commands us to do and repent. Jesus said, here's the choices, repent or perish. Now those are loving words. I know they don't sound like loving words, but those are loving words. I want to say this, and I don't say this because I don't want you to think I am a macabre person when I make this statement because I'm not. I have more books on the doctrine of hell than any other subject in all the scripture. Not because I enjoy the reality and the thought of it, but because, again, Jesus said more about it than anybody else in scripture. And so we have to come to terms with this and the challenge to go before others and if Jesus said it how that should ingrain and and really deepen our perception of what the Bible says about the end and eternal death and eternal wrath we must come to terms with that and so we must do what we can do and should do in God's grace by the help of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to conclude with, uh, with this uh, today. What is the challenge for us as Christians? What is the challenge for us as Christians? You say, well, this Jesus says repent or perish. You say, well, that's to people that are unconverted, that are unsaved, certainly. But what is the challenge to Christians? What is Jesus' last message to the church? When you come to Revelation chapters 2 and 3, what was Jesus' last message to the church? In five of the seven churches that Jesus addressed, what was the last word to them? Repent. 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 Why? Because Jesus knows the opposition and the struggle, and we constantly have to be asking Him to change our hearts and minds so we might be able to be more clear-headed and sober about taking this message of 
what is before us here in this very somber but necessary and true text. Repent or perish. So that is the challenge for any of you today. You may be a guest here and you need to come to Jesus and you need to deal with reality because you're a sinner. You deserve the wrath of God, but God took it upon himself in the person of his son to offer himself. Hebrews says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape? Don't allow opportunities to pass by. There was a very cautious man who never laughed or played. He never risked. He never tried. He never sang or played. And when he one day passed away, his insurance was denied. For since he never really lived, they claimed he never died. And so that is what is before us today. That we have a life of vitality and relationship and and union with the Lord Jesus. What are we going to do with one more day, hour, or one more year?